Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 22. In this chapter, we see David with his ragtag army of men living out in the wilderness at the cave of Adullam. We also have the tragic record of Saul's massacre of the whole community of priests, the result of his insane and unchecked jealousy of David. Let's begin by reading the first five verses. 1 Samuel chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart, and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Let's begin our study of this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 22, with some background notes. The cave of Adullam, where David was camped, was in the territory of Judah, about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem, and not too far from Philistine territory. If you travel in that area of Israel today, you can explore a lot of large caves that are there. Now, we don't know exactly which one is the cave of Adullam, but there are a number of possibilities. It was here that David attracted a ragtag army of men, first about 400 men, but by the time of the next chapter, the number had grown to 600 men. In verses 3 and 4, we read that David took his parents over to the land of Moab for safety. Remember, Saul had fought the Moabites back in chapter 14. So the Moabites would be open for David's request since Saul was against David. Furthermore, David had distant relatives in Moab. Remember, Ruth, David's great-grandmother, was from Moab. Now, did David do the right thing in taking his parents to Moab for safety? Commentaries differ. Some say that this was common sense. Others say that David should have kept them in the land of Israel and depended more on the Lord. We can't be dogmatic here. In any case, Hebrew tradition says that eventually David's parents were killed by the Moabites. In verse 5, the prophet Gad exhorts David to move more into the heartland of Judah, into the forest of Hereth. The Lord provided the prophet Gad to exhort and advise and counsel David during these times of trouble. Gad continued to be in David's circle of confidence when David became king and even wrote up many of these events, as we learn in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I'm reading 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 29. Now the acts of King David, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. 1 Chronicles 29, 29. Well, so much for background. Let's move now to our doctrinal or teaching points for 1 Samuel chapter 22. Doctrinal point number one. Following the right leader leads to eternal rewards. Following the right leader leads to eternal rewards. Verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. 
Now, when you read this description of the men who gathered themselves to David, it's obvious that they had made some bad decisions in life. Many of them had serious problems as a result. Distress, debt, discouragement, discontent. This is hardly a description of a group of folks that has their act together. But for all their problems, they made one right major decision, and that was to follow David. They chose the right leader to follow. And as a result, they were on the winning team when David became king. Furthermore, we learn from 2 Samuel chapter 23 that out of this group of problem people came some of David's mighty men. As a result of following David, these men who were at one time going nowhere were now molded into men that had purpose in life and they became part of David's kingdom and were rewarded. This same principle is true today. Following the right leader leads to rewards. This principle has great practical application in all areas of life. But notice we said eternal rewards in the doctrinal point. That's specifically stated because of the spiritual picture and lesson that we have here in this account. David is a spiritual picture or type of Christ in his time of rejection. That time is now. Christ is the rightful king, but the world does not recognize him yet as king. Right now, he is in the place of rejection as David was. But as believers, we recognize Christ as king and follow him. He is our savior and leader and Lord. We are like David's men who choose to follow the right leader. We've come to the Lord with our problems and discouragement and despair and the debt that we could not pay. And the Lord has welcomed us and brought us into a fellowship of other believers and molded us into an army of soldiers and servants. What a beautiful picture we have here of our present situation. In the words of Hebrews 13, verse 13, we have chosen to join our Lord outside the camp bearing his reproach. Hebrews 13, 13. And for making this right choice, there is eternal reward. Romans 8, 17 says, If indeed we suffer with Christ, we will also be glorified together. And 2 Timothy 2.12 says, This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. 2 Timothy 2.12 Following the right leader leads to eternal rewards. Doctrinal point number two. Following the wrong leader leads to tragic results. Following the wrong leader leads to tragic results. Verses 6 through 19. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him, then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait, as it is this day. Then answered Doag, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him. 
gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me, to lie in wait, as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doag, You turn and kill the priests. So Doag, the Edomite, turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. How tragic. Now we know from 1 Samuel chapters 2 and 3 that this tragedy was a partial fulfillment of the prophecy against the priestly line of Eli. But it was still tragic. Saul's insane and unchecked jealousy resulted in the slaughter of the whole community of priests. And Doeg got caught up in all this evil because he chose to follow the wrong leader. Think of how different it could have been for Doeg if he had chosen to side with David when he saw him at Nob. But Doeg rejected David and betrayed David. He chose to follow the wrong leader and it led to tragic results. We learn from the title of Psalm 52 that David wrote Psalm 52 on this occasion of Doag's betrayal. Listen to what David says about this man who chose to follow the wrong leader. I'm reading Psalm 52, verses 1 through 5. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Selah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. Psalm 52, verses 1 through 5. Doag is certainly an illustration here of the person today who rejects Christ and chooses to follow the wrong leader. You know, at the time of the end, many will reject Christ to follow the Antichrist. Doag may be a spiritual picture or type of the Antichrist here. Even now, people who choose not to follow Christ have chosen to follow Satan, whether they realize it or not. And ultimately, there will be the tragic end of eternal hell. Following the wrong leader leads to tragic results. Practical application from 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let's be willing to admit our mistakes. Let's be willing to admit our mistakes. 
verses 20 through 23. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. Abiathar became the high priest in David's kingdom and continued into Solomon's kingdom. Now, remember in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we had the practical application, let's learn from our mistakes. Now, here in 1 Samuel 22, we have, let's be willing to admit our mistakes. That's what David did in verse 22. Here's what David says to Abiathar. I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. David did not exempt himself from his mistake by shifting all the blame to Saul or Doag. No, David knew that he was part of the problem, and he admitted it. Now let me ask you, do we admit our mistakes and our share of the blame, or do we always try to shift all of the blame to others? You know, all of the great revivals in Scripture are associated with a willingness to acknowledge sin and mistakes and not shift the blame to others. Do we want revival in our souls in a personal way? Let's be willing to admit our mistakes.